Well, good morning. I'd like to welcome you to another edition of our Anchored in the Word Morning Reflection. We're in Ecclesiastes 5, so if you have a Bible, I'd like to encourage you to take it. And let's turn together to Ecclesiastes 5. We're looking at verses 10 through 16 today. Ecclesiastes 5, verses 10 through 16. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owner thereof, saving the beholding of them with his eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. There's a sore evil which I've seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owner thereof to their hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail, and he begetteth a son, and there's nothing in his hand. As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go. What profit hath he that laboreth for the wind? The passage that we're looking at is a really interesting one. In fact, one of the things that we see in the book of Proverbs and also in the book of Ecclesiastes is that there's a lot of discussion about money and the accumulation of wealth and how we're supposed to relate to those things. And one of the reasons that we see so much instruction in wisdom literature dealing with money and finances is because how we relate to wealth has a lot to do with our values, what we think is important and what we don't think is important. And the truth is a lot of what we do as individuals is the accumulation of wealth, the distributing of wealth, how we actually view wealth, what we want, what we don't want. There's so much of our heart and so much of our labor that really relates to this issue of material possessions. And so it's so important that we have a biblical balance in how we look at material possessions. It's so important because we're given by God a stewardship and we're supposed to manage those things. So the question we want to ask this morning is what's kind of the main point of the verses that we read this morning? And then what are some of the simple truths that flow from that main point? Well, here's a summary statement that I wrote this morning. Accumulating wealth cannot guarantee satisfaction, security, or good relationships. That's really what this is all about. This is all about us understanding that just because we accumulate wealth doesn't mean we're going to be happy. It doesn't mean that we're going to have good relationships with people. It doesn't mean that that accumulation of wealth will give us a a long-term security. In fact, what it can do is actually the exact opposite if we don't relate properly to it. And so let's look at some of the truths or some of the ironies that Solomon draws out in the passage before us. The first irony is this, accumulating wealth does not guarantee satisfaction. In verse 10 he says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. The phrase that should really stand out to us is the phrase, shall not be satisfied. In other words, when we are living for the accumulation of wealth, if that's what our heart is really set on, then we're never going to come to a place where we say, you know, I've got enough. I'm good to go. I don't have to pursue this anymore. In fact, we could put it this way. We have an expectation when it comes to the accumulation of wealth. We think when we get a certain amount, it's going to make us feel a certain way. And so we are pursuing not just the thing, wealth, but we're pursuing what we think we're going to get when we get the wealth. And what ends up happening is as we accumulate wealth, we begin to recognize that our expectations 
about how we'll feel, about how it will change our lives, it's not exactly what what it actually will do. And so as those expectations aren't met, what does it do? It increases this desire to get more so that we can meet what we think we're going to get from it. Well, this is an endless cycle that will never give us full satisfaction. And so Solomon just lays it out. He says, you know, if you're going to live for money, you're not going to ever get what you really think you're going to get. It's like it's chasing the wind. And so he says, it is vanity. The second irony that Solomon addresses is that accumulating wealth does not guarantee healthy relationships. Now, he's not suggesting that we won't have relationships when we accumulate wealth, that we won't make friends, that people won't come alongside of us who would love to help us spend that wealth, who would love to, uh, who would love to actually establish a kind of interaction that is beneficial to them. What he's actually saying is that the more you get, the more people will come alongside of you who want to use you to get what you have. In other words, people stop looking at you as a person and they start looking at you as an opportunity. They look at you as a resource that can be tapped into. And Solomon says this is one of the great ironies of life. As we accumulate wealth and we think it's going to make us happy and we think it's going to establish good relationships, it actually kind of does the opposite. It establishes very superficial relationships, relationships that if our wealth was gone would immediately end. And so he says it this way in verse 11, when goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owner thereof saving the beholding of them with his eyes? He says, the more you get, the more people come along to take what you have. And he says, basically what's going to happen is you're going to end up being conduit to give people what they want. And he said, essentially, all you're going to do is enjoy looking at your wealth while you distribute it to somebody else. And he said, that's a terrible vanity of life. This is one of the great ironies of accumulating wealth. A third truth or a third irony that he emphasizes is that the accumulating of wealth doesn't guarantee a settled heart. Now, one of the things that we think when we pursue money and possessions is that we'll get to a place (coughs) where we'll eventually have a sense of security. Because that accumulation of wealth gives us a position that is more secure than the person that doesn't have much. And, you know, there is a sense in which money does give you a sense of security. But there's a limit to that sense of security. And the reality is that money that comes can be money that goes. And he's going to express that in verse 12. He says, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. And this is a really interesting statement. He says whether he eat little or he eat much. So what Solomon is saying is what makes the laboring man's sleep sweet is not how much money he has. It's not how much stuff he has. It's the fact that he has labored and he's been industrious and he has stressed his body physically and he feels this sense of accomplishment in the task that he's had. And when he pillows his head at night, his body is worn out and so he actually gets rest. On the other side, he says, the abundance of the rich will not suffer or allow him to sleep. He says, this is an amazing irony of life. You can have a person who doesn't have much. They work really hard and they can pillow their head at night and they get legitimate rest. You can have a person that has this massive abundance of wealth 
they don't have to work as hard physically or maybe they really do work hard physically and that's that industry is how they got to the point where they are but when they pillow their head at night they're restless they can't sleep and the reason they can't sleep is because their mind is burdened by the cares of having that money or those things to manage in other words the more he has the more complicated his life has has become the more that he has, the more he has to manage and the more he has to worry about. And he said, this is unbelievable to think about how the person that thinks he's going to actually have more rest and ease by getting more stuff ends up actually be more, being, becoming more burdened because of how much stuff he has to worry about. In other words, hard work is something that has an element of, an element of satisfaction associated with it. Not a long-term, not an eternal satisfaction, but a momentary satisfaction. And that allows us to rest. This weariness of the body actually enables us to get to the place where we can get the sleep that we need, which is a refreshment to our bodies and our minds. But the person who has a lot of stuff has anxiety that robs him from the ability to do what the laboring man can do, and that's rest at night. So it's an interesting irony that he brings out. The fourth irony that Solomon mentions is this, accumulating wealth does not guarantee security. And so he puts it like this in verse 13. There is a sore evil which I've seen under the sun, namely, riches kept for the owner, owners thereof to their hurt, but those riches perish by evil travail. And he begetteth the son, and there's nothing in his hand. Now Solomon's given an example, maybe something that he saw repeated over and over again, I don't know. But Solomon says, I've seen people who've accumulated wealth. They've worked hard. They've labored industriously to get stuff. And as they accumulated that wealth, they thought it was going to bring them happiness and satisfaction and security. And it was going to establish good relationships. But as they accumulated that wealth and as they began to, to save it and hold it for the future through some circumstances that were outside of their control or maybe because of a foolish decision that they made, this, this wealth that they thought would bring this satisfaction actually gave them trouble. And in the end, through bad decisions or through some decision outside of their control, they lose it. They squander it. Through some misfortune, they no longer have what actually brought them trouble in life. And then they have nothing to give to their children because what they accumulated is now gone. And he says, this is an unbelievable tragedy, an unbelievable irony of life that you could see a situation like this unfold. He says, but I've seen it. It's happened. In other words, the accumulation of wealth at a moment in our life does not guarantee long-term security. And let's not forget that when Solomon talks about wealth, he's talking about wealth from the perspective of someone who became extremely wealthy. When we read in the Bible of people who God blessed and prospered financially, we think of people like Abraham as an example, and Solomon is probably the foremost example of someone who, who accumulated wealth and understood what it meant to have that financial strength. The final thing that we're going to find in the passage in front of us this, this morning is the irony that accumulating wealth does not go with us into eternity. In, in, in verses 15 to 16, he says it like this. As he came forth <coughs> excuse me, of his mother's womb, 
Naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. This also is a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go, and what profit hath he that labored for the wind? The idea is that there's nothing that you hold in your hands that you take with you into eternity. In fact, we think about the example of this man that Jesus talked about in a parable, where he says this man has accumulated tremendous wealth. He looks out over his wealth and he says, I'm going to build bigger barns and I'm going to take my ease and I'm going to eat and drink and be merry and I'm going to enjoy the fruit of my labors. And he says, this man was a fool because he didn't prepare for eternity. In fact, Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet he loses his own soul? And so Solomon recognizes and he emphasizes in this passage that no matter what we receive in this life, no matter what we accumulate in this life, there comes a point where we will not be able to take it with us. It's only a temporary strength. It's only a temporary satisfaction. It's only a temporary enjoyment. So no matter what we get and accumulate, it's going to stay here when we go to meet the Lord. And so here's the question we should ask this morning. How do we take these truths and practically apply them to our lives? Let me share with you a couple things I jotted down today as I thought about this. The first is this. Prosperity is not an evil thing. Now, when you read these verses, we need to recognize that the one who wrote them was a man who God (coughs) blessed immensely. (coughs) Solomon was an extremely prosperous man. God gives, God takes away. And we need to recognize that prosperity in and of itself is not evil. The Bible doesn't condemn it. What it does condemn is a love of money. The second thing is this. Prosperity is one of the greatest tests that we ever face in life. When a person becomes prosperous, He has a tendency to become proud, to become discontented, to stop looking at eternity in the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't mean that a person has to do those things. It simply means that there's a temptation towards those things. And so we need to remember that when it comes to issues of prosperity and financial strength, we have to pass the test of handling those things appropriately if God chooses to bless us in that way. The third thing I want to mention is this. We need to be content. If God gives us financial prosperity, we need to be content with the level or the degree to which he financially prospers us. If we go through this season of leanness where we don't have a continuation of prosperity, we have to be content with how God works. In other words, we need to submit to the providence of God And how God blesses and strengthens and weakens, how we go through seasons of life according to God's God's hand of prospering or not. We have to learn to trust him and submit to him. We also need to learn to manage well what God does give us. Because we need to recognize it's a stewardship that he's entrusted to our care. And one day we're going to be held accountable to him for how we manage those resources. The last two things I'll mention is this. We need to keep our focus on God's kingdom and what really matters. The truth is that one of the great tests of prosperity is that rather than managing those resources for the advance of God's kingdom, we have a tendency to forget God's kingdom and we have a tendency to manage those resources for our own material benefits rather than what really matters. And the last thing I'll mention is this. We need to appreciate 
God's good gifts as simply that. God's gracious gifts from a good hand. The truth is that we do not have a right to be wealthy. We are not entitled to have a position of financial strength. God wants us to work hard. God wants us to manage what he gives us. God wants us to keep our eyes fixed on eternity. And God wants us to enjoy what he gives us. And so when we think about this issue of accumulation of wealth, when it comes to pursuing becoming rich and prosperous, we need to recognize that in that pursuit, there are some tremendous ironies that if we're not aware of them and we don't keep that in perspective, it can become a tremendous detriment to us in the moment, down the road, and then when we stand before God in eternity. I hope that this has been a challenge to you this morning. As I read it and thought about it, it was a real challenge to me. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. And Lord willing, tomorrow we'll be able to continue our study in the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to study your word this morning. Help us to be a people who uh, do not become duped by our emotions and the pursuit of material possessions. Father, help us to keep in perspective a godly view of material things. Help us to recognize that it is your good hand that blesses us with material strength. It is also your good hand that allows us to go through leanness so that we're humbled and we reorient our thinking towards eternity. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be wise, help us to be godly, help us to be good managers of the resources you give us. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, I hope that you have a wonderful morning and Lord willing, I'll see you next time. Bye now.